Hello, and welcome to the Big Leads Press Pass podcast. I am your host, Liam McEwen, and today with us, we have Dave Clark from the Cincinnati Inquirer. Dave, thank you so much for joining us today. Thanks for having me. Of course. So to start, as always, why don't we just, can you just take us through your journey in sports media from when you first realized that this is kind of what you wanted to do to how you ended up where you are now at the Inquirer? Sure. Yeah, I uh, I worked in radio and TV while I attended Ohio University. <clears throat> I actually covered several games at uh, Athens High School where Joe Burrow starred a few years ago. So never never knowing, of course, that they would have a uh, huge high school football star there who would go on to win the Heisman Trophy and, and be the uh, expected number one overall pick. But, um, but then uh, after Ohio University, I worked at a Cincinnati TV station for about a year and then got an opportunity to work in CNN Sports Illustrated. They were CNN Sports Illustrated at the time. Uh, before I left, they were just SI.com, as as they're known now. Mm-hmm. Uh, but I worked in their multimedia department, and I moved into the newsroom and handled sections for uh, every sport they covered, but primarily managed the NFL, tennis, and golf sections. Uh, I did some writing, some analysis pieces, and uh, did a draft diary with Jeff Fain, who uh, went to Notre Dame and played in the NFL for about 10, 10 years. Uh, I also edited Peter King and uh, Silver and the late Don Banks and others. Um, and I left uh, sportsillustrated.com to uh, start at the Cincinnati Inquirer. I was from Cincinnati. And uh, my wife and I wanted to uh, move home. So uh, I started at the Inquirer as a freelancer covering high school sports. And then I managed the website for the Inquirer's Young Reader publication. Uh, for a couple years and later edited and managed the uh, sports sections Cincinnati.com and optimized content as well before I started uh, writing more and I shifted primarily to uh, digital sports reporter and writer about two and a half years ago. Very nice. Sounds like you have a very wide skill set all things considered. When you first kind of, we'll start with when you first made that transition from you were mostly like a radio TV guy to editorial, how did you find that change? Um, Yeah, you know, it was interesting. I just, I guess I just kind of went with the flow. I, I studied radio and TV because that was my specialization at Ohio university because there wasn't really an online uh, specialization at the time. Um, You know, the, the big boom uh, was yet to happen. So, uh, so I kind of just, you know, learned, learned on the job quite a bit, um, you know, at, at the TV station, but then a a ton when I was at CNN Sports Illustrated, uh, you know, that was very useful experience, um, a a great learning experience and, uh, and learned as I went, but yeah, it was interesting because that's not really what I, how I was trained (laughs) to suffice it to say. Yeah, it's funny how things come around. What was it like editing Peter King and a lot of those like bigger names at Sports Illustrated? Um, I enjoyed it. Uh, you know, um, there was there was a lot of a lot always a lot of back and forth. Uh, mm. I was really sad to see Don Banks pass away because I 
can't tell you how many hours on the phone I spent with him. Just he was so meticulous about wording everything exactly the way that that he wanted. And we would kind of go through several drafts of, you know, certain sentences several times before we got to like exactly how he wanted to word it. You know, he was, uh, his attention to detail was something else, uh, but he was a really good guy. And, and I was sorry to see him pass. I probably worked with him um, more so than the other uh, NFL writers for, for uh, sports illustrated while I was there. Mm-hmm, definitely. And from the sounds of it, this job at the Inquirer is the first one in your career where you've really been mainly focused on writing instead of having some more general oversight. How are you enjoying that experience? Um, I am enjoying it. I would say, uh, you know, the the best part of it is that I get to work from home. Mm. I don't miss the commute, which was 35 minutes, 35 minutes each way without traffic sometimes closer to an hour during rush hour. Uh, Some people say, you know, there are too many distractions at home or they miss face-to-face interactions with coworkers. I'm less distracted at home than in the office. (laughs) And I can monitor, you know, what's being said about the teams that we cover on TV, sometimes back it up with the DVR and transcribe it if necessary. Uh, You know, I was on uh, Dan Patrick's show last week and I never would have been on the show if I didn't work from home because I backed up what he said about the Bengals and Joe Burrow and transcribed it. And uh, so I, you know, that's my favorite, my favorite aspect of the job for sure. Um, The worst part is, you know, the days where I feel like I have nothing to write about or know that what I'm inclined to write about Mm. maybe won't get much traffic. Um, But uh but yeah, those uh, I, I definitely enjoy it for the most part. Um, it's uh, it's more exciting than uh, than some of the managing and optimizing that I was doing before. But mm-hmm. but I enjoyed that as well. Yeah, pros and cons for sure. One of the interesting things about your own personal journey that you mentioned was that you went back to covering high school football after you left Sports Illustrated. And a lot of the people that I've talked to on this podcast, I'll you know, generally they started off in the high school realm and then worked their way up, whereas you went a little bit of a different path. When you were covering high school football, did you feel that it helped you improve as a reporter, even though you were pretty, you know, relatively speaking, late into your career? Yeah, it did. Yeah. Um, and I think, uh, I think you know, there's an important lesson to be learned that, uh, you know, even if, you know, you had this valuable experience at Sports Illustrated and you made a lot of contacts and um, really uh, enjoyed what you did. And it it was great experience. You can't, you know, you can't feel like you're too big to, you know, do something like that. Mm -hmm. Um, Especially if it uh, means improving your writing or just getting your foot in the door somewhere else. I mean, we moved from Atlanta to Cincinnati, so I needed you know, to find work and, you know, it was, it was related experience. You know, I didn't want to just get some job that made more money. You know, I figured I could transition into something else hopefully. And, uh, and it worked out, but, uh, yeah, I think for, uh, for recent college grads to realize, um, 
that, you know, sometimes you just need to get your foot in the door, you know, start freelancing. Um, you know, there's a 90 something percent chance you're never going to make much money doing this. So hopefully you don't have too many kids or you can get a second job or something. I might, I mean, I'm all for chasing your dreams, but I see so many recent college grads on social media saying they're sure that they're going to be a sports center anchor in three years. And no, it's probably not going to happen. So know that going in and just, you know, get your foot in the door, start freelancing, even if it's covering, you know, a high school volleyball match, even if you worked previously, you know, who cares somewhere else and just, you know, be aggressive once you, uh, once you start doing that. Yeah, absolutely. Very sound advice. I'd say even (laughs) aim high, but plan for a little bit longer than three years for the sports center's anchor job, probably. Yeah. Right. <laughs> so now we'll move on to talking some Bengals. Uh, obviously, let's just for the sake of our sanity. I mean, you got to assume Cincinnati's taking Joe Burrow unless something absolutely insane happens. So operating underneath under that assumption, how do you see Joe Burrow fitting into Zach Taylor's offense? Um, I think I think it'll be a good fit. Um, I think their offensive line is a huge factor, and I think it's going to be improved. You know, mm. people, um, a lot of people forget that Jonah Williams missed the entire season. He was their first-round draft pick. That's just terrible luck right there. And to add him to that offensive line, which was playing much better at the end of the year than they were, you know, when they started Owen whatever um, you know, I, th- I think it'll make a big difference. Um, there, there are a lot of people, especially, you know, national media who think, you know, all the way around the, the Bengals just have a lot of issues. They're terrible. Why would Joe Burrow want to play for this team? Um, you know, Dan Patrick suggested their defense is terrible. Their defense was also playing a little bit better toward the end of the year. Um, but that offensive line, without a doubt, was better. And, you know, Joe Mixon was, you know, in four in four of his last six games, put up huge numbers because of that offensive line. So I think, um, I think that's going to make more of a difference than people realize that their offensive line is going to be considerably better than it was week one of the 2019 season. Mm-hmm. Nothing more important than protecting your young assets, that's for sure. And now, so that's yeah. the first overall pick of the draft, but the second, their first second round pick there, 33rd overall, that's you know just going to be a really important pick. It's almost a first round pick. Who do you see them targeting there? Do you think they could end up trying to go for a receiver in this pretty deep class they have to grow with Burrow, or do you think they might reinforce the offensive line as we were just discussing? Um, reinforcing the offensive line, there's a chance. Um, it's a very deep draft at receiver, like you said, and, and a lot of people have said that. I don't know if they tag AJ Green and they have um you know the the same receiving core that they had last year when AJ Green wasn't playing, I don't know that they need to use that high a pick on a receiver. Uh, I would probably be inclined to improve the linebacking core because that was clearly a weakness. They need to they need to add a a really good linebacker, who I am guessing that they could get at the beginning of the second round, or maybe maybe even a defensive back. But I would I would lean linebacker. 
Mm, for sure. And then you just mentioned the uh, AJ Green situation. Both sides have said they want to get a deal done. What's your read on his potential free agency? Um, I, I would guess that they'll tag him and that he'll be back with the Bengals. Um, I don't know. I don't think anybody really knows other than green, whether he could have played, you know, the last few games of last season and, you know, was he disgruntled? I mean, he never made any horrible comments about the Bengals or suggested that he wanted to be traded. Everything he said was, I'm trying to get this ankle better. I want to play for the Bengals. So if you're going to, if you're going to take that at face value, um, you know, he said he'd, I mean, who wants to be tagged? He doesn't want to be tagged. He wants, you know, a multi-year deal, but I'm guessing that it makes the most sense for the Bengals to tag him. And I, I really think, uh, I think he'll be back with the team. Mm -hmm. And he would be a great, certainly be a great weapon for Burrow should he stick around, but we keep on, we talk about Burrow. We're talking about all this stuff, but one of the, uh, one of the, you know, one of the bigger, not bigger, necessarily bigger, but one of the decisions the Bengals have to make this offseason is what to do with Andy Dalton. Do you see it as a foregone conclusion that they're just going to cut bait and let him loose? Or are they going to maybe try to look for a trade or even potentially keep him around for the last year of his contract as a uh, mentor of some type? Um, I don't think it's the foregone conclusion that a lot of people assumed at the end of last season. Um, we even, you know, had had headlines on our website, you know, to the effect of this is, you know, this was Andy Dalton's last game. Mm-hmm. I don't think we can be certain of that. Um, I'm guessing, I, I think it would be silly for them not to pursue a trade. I think they want what's best for Andy Dalton because of all the time that he's put in in Cincinnati. He's been mm-hmm. fantastic on and off the field. Um, you know, like Boomer Esiason has said, he's he's got – quite a bit left he could easily be another team's Ryan Tannehill so um so I think that they want what's best for him and they will likely pursue a a trade I know you know they haven't made many trades they could have easily made trades at the deadline last season and they didn't you know could have traded Dalton or Green or Tyler Eifert or a couple of other guys and they didn't but um but I think that they'll they'll look in that direction i Kind of doubt they'll keep him around, but you never know. They might, uh, they might want him to uh, to be a mentor of sorts for Burrow. Um, but I, I doubt that they'll just just cut him loose. I would I would think that they'll either trade him or uh, or keep him around for another season. Absolutely. And then regardless of what they do end up doing with Dalton, the Bengals are definitely going to have some money to work with as far as the salary cap goes and maybe be able to make a small splash in free agency. Do you have any names in mind in particular that come to come to your head when you think about any free agency targets for Cincinnati? Um, not, not any names, but, um, but they, you know, they should absolutely add a, a free agent linebacker or, uh, or defensive back or both. Um, I would say more on the defensive side of the ball than offensive. But, uh, but yeah, they should, they should, I, I would think that they would want to be aggressive and in, in, as aggressive as possible in free agency at those positions. Definitely. And we'll see what happens there. It'll be an entertaining off season. Now we're going to shift to the last part of the interview here where there's a little quick hitter questions. How's that sound? Great. All right. 
What's your favorite restaurant in Cincinnati? Ooh, favorite restaurant. Mm. Stuff question. Um, I, I, I couldn't live without Skyline Chili. I would have to go with that. Mm. I've got to have it, you know, maybe not three times a week, but once a week. <laughs> I'm going to have to give that a try. I have a lot of family on the Midwest, but I have yet to uh, yet to sample, and I've heard a whole lot about them, so definitely marking that one down. Uh, who's the favorite, this could be a player, coach, media member, anybody, your favorite person you've interviewed in your career? Um, I would say, you know, I had a great side gig that, uh, that recently um, expired, unfortunately. But um, but I worked at this place called Green Diamond Gallery that was here in Cincinnati, which was a baseball memorabilia collection that mm. was honestly second only to Cooperstown. And we had members who met once a month to meet a former ball player, manager, broadcaster, umpire, baseball personality of some sort who would come tell stories, answer questions. You get your picture taken with them, et cetera. And so um, getting to meet Reggie Jackson, Frank Robinson, Steve Carlton, Johnny Bench, Rod Carew, all these guys was just a dream come true for me. So, uh, so, you know, several, uh, national baseball hall of famers who, um, who I got to interact with there at, uh, green diamond gallery, which sadly closed in, uh, in September. Mm. Quite sad, but at least you got to experience me and those guys. That's pretty sweet. Oh, it was great. It was really great. What's one thing about your job that you feel like other people don't know or don't really understand? Um, I'd say just how competitive it's gotten. Mm. Um, if you don't, you know, get your page views from search on whatever you've written, you're not going to be happy with the results. And if you don't write it now, one of your coworkers will. And they might not even ask you first, even if it's something you'd usually write. Uh, just that it's a constant competition for those metrics. Um, and, you know, search engine optimization is very important. Um, I, would, I would guess that, um, you know, fans, uh, you know, readers, observers, you know, wouldn't realize um, – Maybe necessarily that headlines are worded a certain way because of that, or that, you know, that there's this urgency to get it posted accurately, but quickly, um, you know, that sort of thing. Yeah, for sure. And then obviously the landscape of the uh, of sports media has changed a lot over the years since you first started working in it. But just kind of from an individual perspective, What's one thing that you now know about what you do that you wish you knew back when you were just starting out? Um, it's definitely, I alluded to it before, but that there's, there's a healthy chance you're never going to make much money doing this. Mm. I think that's an important, an important message, you know, to learn, you know, while you're still in school. Um, and, to pers absolutely pursue your dreams. And um, if, if you know that, you know, you're going to be able to find your niche or be in the right place at the right time, or that you have the skills to, you know, do something specific and, and really excel at it, then, you know, stick with it. But, um, you know, like I, like I said, the, the recent college grad 
suggesting that he or she is going to be a sports center anchor in three years. I guess just, just, you know, being realistic about this, you know, that's probably not going to happen. You're probably going to have to pay your dues, you know, maybe bounce around a little bit. Um, but you know, hopefully someday, but, um, but that's definitely, uh, you know, what I wish I would have known years ago, um, when I, uh, when I got into the business. Yeah. Excellent answer. Well, Dave, that will conclude this edition of the Press Pass podcast. Thank you so much for joining us again and for giving us a lot of great insight and a lot of honesty with your answers. Thank you so much, Liam. I really appreciate it. Absolutely. And thank you, listener, for tuning into this edition of the Press Pass podcast. I am your host, Liam McEwen, signing off.